says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another installment of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to break down all of the action from round 24 of the NRL, round 2 of the NRLW, and I believe it's the final round. You know, so it'll also be round 24, but it is the final round for the Jersey Flag and New South Wales Cup. It's my good mate, 60s. Once again, we just go back to back to back, and well, it's back to back and to back because we did have the special edition podcast, and it'll be back to back to back to back. We do the instant reaction tomorrow. <laughs> how, are you, how are you feeling ahead of all that, mate? I think you know with the content that we've been pumping out in the last few days and trying to squeeze our, all of our regular weekly content into like three days. Yeah, that rapid turnaround. Been, huh? Oh, it's been it's been unbelievable, mate. You know, it's uh, and and we know that tomorrow is going to be a big day because of the fact that it's it's match day. So. Uh, we've got content that's already ready, uh, and I, I I might just be hanging back on posting it till the morning. So we'll we'll see how we go. Whether we we post this one Thursday morning or goals preview Thursday morning, but um, we know what we'll be doing post match on Thursday. We've then got the um, uh, NRLW that's that's happening on Friday. We've got the New South Wales Cup happening on Friday. We've got Jersey Flag happening on Saturday. Oh, Nothing like not a late-season five-day turnaround to throw a spanner in the works, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. And that turnaround when we've there's four grades of action happening. But, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, it, it's, it's a big week. But uh, let's uh, let's get into this preview. Yeah, let's start with the twenty ones as we are want to do in a given podcast. Like we said before, last game of the season for them. Unfortunately, they're the only team right now that are out of the hunt for the finals. It's a top five in the flag. It's a top five in the New South Wales Cup, which means they are mathematically eliminated. Make things worse, I suppose, in that regard. They're taking on the second place team, one of the most impressive outfits in the competition in the Newcastle Knights. But I suppose the the silver line to this is a chance to show. You know, a little bit of something this week, 60s. You know, earn some pride back, head, uh, cap off the season with a really nice finish or a highly competitive match at the very least. This one's taking place, well, it's 1.15pm at Kellyville Park. Yes, there we go. So uh, this is on the Saturday, 27th of August. Just looking at the team quickly, I think there'll be at least one change from what they've named, given that one player is also featuring in the New South Wales Cup per the team list. But at fullback, it's Dontori Louie on the wings, Arthur Miller-Steven and Moala Graham Taufa, a pair of the hyphenated flankers there. In the centres, Captain Corey Fenning. And right now, Samuel Louisu, but he should be replaced, I expect, given that he's been named to start in the Cup. In, this, uh, in the spine, in the halves, that is, Mac Pulfisi and Ethan Sanders. Front row sees Peter Tateo and Jonte Jr. Befamiza, on either shoulder of Cruz Natelli Schmidt. In the back row, Ryan Jones, Felix Natelli Schmidt. They're on the edges. Brock Parker is the lock forward. Interchange, Jacob Davis, Saxon Pryke, Larry Maguatutia, Jack Colavati, Marcus Atoa, the 18th man. And looking at this Newcastle team, 60s, there is one name that I do recognize, one that hurts as well. Uh, 17th man or 17th jersey in the team, Miles Martin. So he's a good one. Nice, did a good job snaring him. But yeah, the Newcastle Knights, they're going to be playing finals football. But can the Eels knock them out of their rhythm on Saturday? Well, it's almost a case of 
with the uh, Jersey flag, uh, there's, I wouldn't say there's parallels with the NRL team, but we have had the fluctuating form. And I think a lot of that has to do with the inability to put the same team on the paddock every week. They were much uh, I say inability, I mean, it's, they're a victim of circumstance yeah. in that regard. There always seems to be key changes that happen. Um, they certainly and, weren't unbeatable in the back half of the season, but they were much more consistent once once they found that same consistency on the roster. A lot less changes, a lot less guys getting dragged up to the New South Wales Cup because of injury crises, and you know they, they had a bit of rhythm going. Yeah, it was obviously we didn't um, we didn't get to see last week's match because there was a, a clash of times where unfortunately they were scheduled for an eleven o'clock kickoff last Saturday, which was at the same time as the New South Wales That's Cup right. was playing, which was at the block. same time as the players' reunion that we were attending yeah. as well. So um, our apologies to the uh, our followers that enjoy the coverage that we pl- provide of the lower grades. We'll endeavour to provide that coverage this week. Uh, we've got, uh, with, of course, the New South Wales Cup on Friday night and this game at one fifteen on Saturday. Um, we'll, we'll see how we go uh, with regard to our availability to cover that. But, yeah, it was just an impossibility last week. Um, can't really comment too much on uh, their performance. Uh, I, I can check out the replay. I just haven't had a, an opportunity to do yeah, so. Yeah, well, I mean, so. like we said, the, the five-day turnaround means it's been hell trying to get everything out on schedule at TCT. But, yeah, like we said, we'll, we'll try and cover this one. I know I'm not going to be available because it's my niece's birthday and I've been commissioned to cook her a, a lunch. So I am very much out of action for this game. But that does bring us to the other game that you sort of alluded to on Friday night, 60s. It's also the last game in the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup for the Eels. Because it's the top five, because they dropped that game against the Canterbury Bulldogs last week, 19-16, to they're not home and hose just yet. Uh, they're taking on... So Parramatta entered this game in fifth place, the final seeding spot for the finals, taking on the 10th place Newcastle Knights. But the other team to be concerned about are the Canberra Raiders, who are taking on the last place Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles. Right now, Parramatta hold their destiny in their own hands. A win and they're in. So it's that simple. But if they do lose, they'll be relying on the Canberra Raiders to also drop a game against the worst team in the competition, which seems a little bit unlikely. So look yeah, at- and, and the other thing too is that uh, Newcastle have been posting some horrid results themselves yeah, in the half yeah, of the season. They're in a skid, that's right, for sure. So you look at the Parramatta team that's going to be named here, even if it isn't full strength because of promotions to the NRL and whatnot, you know, they're still more than strong enough, more than capable enough to get the job done on Friday night at home under the uh, bright lights. And we'll look at the team that has been named with Hayes Perrin reprising his role at fullback. On the wings, Samuel Louise, who we did say he'd be playing the cup game, which means someone's going to have to replace him in the flag. On the other wing, it's Sean Russell. Centre pairing, Bailey Simons and Zach Sini. In the halves, Jack A. Williams gets the recall because Jake Arthur has been pushed up to the NRL. He'll partner captain and coach Jordan Rankin in the halves. Front row, Ophiki Ogden. He's back in New South Wales Cup this week where Kai Rodwell joins him in the front row. Roddy missed last week, which was a big loss for the uh, for the boys, but he comes back into the starting team, obviously. Mitch Rain's a dummy half in the back row. Pair of young, uh, I was going to say young bookends, but not bookends. Pair of uh, young edge players in Ellie Elsgaham and Tony Matelli. Bryce Cartwright is the lock forward. On the bench, Brendan Hands, Tavita Talmapenu, Dan Keir, and Jaden Yates. 
Looking at the Newcastle team, 60s, the most notable thing here is there is a future eagle on display here in the front row, uh, Jira or Jaira Mamasia. He's starting in the number eight jersey, maybe looking to impress his future employers. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to uh, see how he goes. Uh, I'll definitely be up there at uh, Kellyville on Friday night. Uh, for that game. Uh, looking forward to the Eels being able to carry a bit of form into the finals, obviously securing the spot in the finals with winning, but then, you know, looking to to put on a good show to carry a bit of confidence into finals footy because last week, you know, last week there was a really good quality New South Wales Cup game. Uh, we weren't able to watch it live, but I, I, I did record it off um, Fox and watched it back. And um, you know, it, it, there was some there was some good footy that was played. Uh, the the Eels were a little bit unlucky. I think they paid the price for a bit of a lapse in concentration, literally in the last two minutes, where yeah. they couldn't quite lock up a, a Canterbury attacking kick, and then. Um, the one of the players when, when they the Canterbury players when they got the ball back managed to fight through the tackle and get the ball placed uh, over the line. They it was a try that should never have been scored, and in the end, it became a a, a costly uh, four pointer against them. And then late in the game, we had uh, Wiramu Greg sent off and for a late shot. He's obviously caught a suspension of at least one week because he hasn't been named in this team. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he put the. Uh, it was it was almost going to be a repeat of the tackle that he he put on the um, uh, the South player a couple of weeks ago, and in this one it was um, it was probably just as uh, not maybe not quite as brutal, but it was just that it was the timing he he got it wrong and um, it was late. Uh, arguable whether he, he managed to wrap the arm sufficiently, but he was sent off. There was a Bulldogs player that was also sent to the bin in that. So we weren't really disadvantaged in terms of the numbers and did score a try late in the game when it was 12 on 12. But again, that three-point loss meant that the Eels weren't guaranteed a final spot. They should get the job done against the Knights. But in lower-grade football... Mate, we just never take anything well, for granted. We say that even in the NRL, you get the odd absolute, you know, head scratcher result. The West Tigers should have beaten the uh, the North Queensland Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, you take nothing for granted coming into these games. On paper, Paramount absolutely should be able to account for Newcastle. But you know, when when that last game of the season's there, some of these teams find an odd sense of pride, you know, to play spoilers. And the NRL, the Eels have to make sure that they aren't on the wrong end of that scoreline on Friday night. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So now we come to the uh, NRLW, mate. Yeah, so regular season's over for the Jersey Flake and the New South Wales Cup. Obviously, the Cup boys still trying to play for the finals. Should get the job done, but like you said, 60s, that brings us to the NRLW. They're the lone game on Sunday. They're taking on, well, they go from out of the frying pan into the fire, it feels like, because while the Roosters are the, you know, the benchmark in this competition, the Dragons were very impressive against the Gold Coast Titans in round one, and they've been a consistent... Uh, you know, sort of force in this level of the uh, rugby league competitions. But yeah, they take on the Dragons on Sunday out at Combank Stadium. So what are they playing the Curtain Razor for? Is there a Bulldogs or West Tigers game? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't the, had a look at that. It'll be, be the West Tigers. Yeah, West Tigers and Dragons. So they're, they're playing as part of that battery of games there. For the Eels, there are a couple of changes this week, 60s. Not uh, too surprising considering. Uh, but Gail Broughton, she reprises her role fullback. We have our first change in the back line as Zali Faye comes onto the wing. There is a reshuffle. Rakia Horn, who was named on the wing last week, she's into the centres where she partners Tiana Penatani. On the other wing, Tess Staines, she's still there. So I believe that Abby Church was the one to make way out of the last week's lineup. In the halves, another change. Lasana Lutu, she's still there in the number seven. She was impressive on debut for the Eels. She'll partner Taylor Preston, uh, who I believe, is this her NRLW debut? I think she's played for the Prime Minister's 13 before. Yeah, she has played for the Australian Prime Minister's 13 back in 2019, but I think this is her NRLW debut, so that's exciting to see there. In the forwards, Philomena Hanisi and Ellie Johnson, they're the starting bookends. Sally Malangi, the dummy half. Christian Pio, Vanessa Foliaki, and Samama Taufa round out an unchanged forward pack. On the bench, we do have another change and a significant 160s, but it starts with Kennedy Charrington as the sort of impact forward off the bench where she's partnered by Brooke Anderson and Nevada George. And then the big news this week is that the Eels get their first homegrown debutant in the NRLW, a player that's gone through the, the pipeline from bottom to top now in Ruby Jean Cannard. So outstanding in the Tasha Gale early this year, 60s, named the NRLW squad uh, ahead of or at the Junior Rep Awards, now making her debut. What a watershed moment for both Ruby and the club. I, I bet Ruby is pinching herself uh, with with this because it's it's something where at the start of the season she she might have dreamt about, and we made a suggestion that it, it might be a case of herself and some others that were able to join the NRLW in a development uh, player sort of capacity. She went that one step further ahead of a you know a group of of players that were there in that development uh, player capacity development contract if you if you like there although I don't know that they're technically what you'd call it with a contract there but because they're they're not they're not not able to play I believe the the development contract players in the NRLW but that's more of uh, almost like an apprenticeship that they do but. Um, yeah, to, for her to get the, you know, first of all named in the top squad, and then now to get the call up for match time, uh, tremendous moment for her, tremendous moment for the club, uh, something that uh, both should be very proud of, and will of course take great interest into uh, in how she performs when she's out there because you know it's a it's a big step up from the Tasha Gale Cup to the NRLW. And I know she's she had I think she did play a bit of uh, New South Wales Harvey Norman competition this year, but um, you know it's there's some um, pretty big hits that go on out there in the NRLW. So um, yeah, obviously we'll we'll be wishing her the best, and uh, we'll have the utmost confidence that Dean Witters will have her ready for her debut. Yeah, of, of course Dean will have her up for this 100. percent But by the same token, we're not going out there expecting her to dominate as, you know, the best forward on the field. She's a young, talented uh, player, you know, playing her trade in her you know, first ever NRLW game. So very excited to see where the future lies for Ruby. But at the same time, I've sort of got grounded expectations. You know, she's not going to go out there and, you know, smash out 150 metres and break tackles left, right and centre. But then again, maybe she will. You know, maybe she'll have an all-time debut. But either way, obviously, we're super excited to see her start her full-time footy journey there and, you know, become hopefully a core player for the Eels moving forwards. Yeah. Now, the 
thing that stands out, of course, is that the Eels will need to lift their uh, work in defence. Uh, the the, um, the Roosters were absolutely on fire last week. I can't remember too many occasions where the ball went down, if at all, from the Roosters when they were in attack. They came at uh, Parramatta in waves of points, absolute waves of points. Yeah, the, they, they were ferocious through the middle and lightning down the edges. And that yeah. combination proved to be too much of Parramatta to handle. Well, the Parramatta's, Parramatta's defence just just couldn't seem to uh, stop what the Roosters were throwing at them. Mm-hmm. And really, the the in the first half, the points were stopped when Parramatta got a bit of possession themselves. And those scores became level up to the early point in the second half because possession started to be shared a little bit more evenly. And it wasn't necessarily that Parramatta's defence was doing the work. It was it was more that they got a chance in possession themselves and were able to create opportunities. But as soon as that uh, that return of possession to the Roosters in uh, in getting successive sets happened, and that and that came as much from being able to score back to back tries. Uh, once that roll on of momentum happened there. It, it was almost impossible for the Eels to hold them out. And uh, in, in retrospect, it you know, the score could have been a little bit worse. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it was a – I think it was a good wake-up call early in the season in terms of – Oh, look. You know, we just got to work – get that defence going a, the, uh, a, the, a lot tighter. That in of itself is probably the greatest problem facing not just the Parramatta Eels, but – any you know non top tier NRLW team when it comes to being a proven contender is that you know you sort of have your very short preseason because that's how the NRLW is structured at the moment, and you come into a regular season where there's only five games, so you know you have to figure out solutions to problems and you know implement them effectively immediately. You don't have twenty four rounds or twenty five rounds to work things out and adopt a different defensive structure or you know look at different shapes and structures. You, you sort of go. You know, and if you drop a game, okay, but now you can't drop another one. So that's going to be on the Parramatta Eels to figure it out. And a lot of it's, you know, obviously fitness is a big part of defense, but the other part is attitude. Line speed is about attitude, and that's where the Eels really let themselves down, both through the middle and out wide. You know, they sort of were very passive, allowed the Roosters to turn the corner and, you know, strip them for numbers just with speed rather than, you know, matching them up and, and pushing out. So, yeah, uh, Dean Witters... He's going to have his hands full getting the girls up for this game, but I am excited to see what they can do because you know there's some real talent in this team, and I hope that they can do a better job of spotlighting Gail Broughton, who I thought was very good in a losing team against the Roosters, but we probably didn't put her in a position to succeed down the edges. She was busy on kick returns and working around you know the middle and whatnot, but really didn't get a chance to showcase her excellent agility and short area quickness against the outside backs on the on the edges. No, we. We just didn't see her um, to advantage, really, because and the 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 shapes that we were throwing at the roosters and 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 there was some success there, but we were we were challenging well through the edge um, and making some some really good inroads with the the edge forwards hitting the line powerfully. Yeah, we we're doing uh, the, the work to set it up, but we just never went out the back for the big shift. That's it. So it's not like it's a lost cause. Like they know they can do the hard part of it. You know, the the courage part running into the teeth of the defense at the back rowers. Now it's just about capitalizing on the hard work that you're doing. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so um, and, uh, now we know, I was going to uh, say, Kennedy Charrington was outstanding off the bench against the Roosters. She and Samama Taufa were really, you know, the heart and soul or the, the grit and the grub, as I sort of described them in my post-game thoughts, you know, of the pack. They're going to need a little bit more from their sisters in the forward pack too, you know, just a little bit more anger, a little bit more intensity. And if that can happen, the Eels will be in for red-hot chance. Oh, wasn't it? It, it, it was interesting because the, the moment that Kennedy was injected, you could see her getting under the skin oh, yeah. she, of, of the in, Roosters' play. Instantly sort of turned the game, got under the skin, unsettled what had previously been just a juggernaut against Parramatta in that game. And like I said to you when we were sitting watching this game, there's just like a gravity about her play. Like she gets on the field and things start happening. She knocks the ball loose. She has a good run. She sort of you know provokes a response out of the Roosters' players. So, yeah, love, she's definitely one of those players you love to play with but hate to play against. And, you know, we, we all know that, whether it's in rugby league, cricket, or any other, you know, sport, there's always at least one of them going around. And, and yeah, it's always be much better to be on their side than against them. Yeah, yeah. So now we come to the NRL, mate. Yeah, we'll do a quick stop in on the injury report because there was a little bit of carnage last week. Paul Solomon in Iduki, he, he's heading the wrong place against the Canary Bulldogs, and he's out of a concussion to be announced on his return. Uh, Nathan Brown, he was on the injury list last week, but we didn't get a chance to cover it. His finger which I believe he did at training, is also TBA, joining, obviously, Ray Stone and Hayes Dunster, who are still out for the season. Although Hayes, I believe, is starting to make some le- legitimate progress on his recovery, which is very encouraging ahead of the upcoming preseason. But yes. uh, Stoney, Stoney, too, he noticed him running at training also. Yeah, and for Stoney, obviously, he's going to be with another team, but we he is absolutely a player who's going to leave with all of our blessings in his 60s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is nothing that you can be critical about with Ray Stone because every time he takes the field, you're left in no doubt of his his intent out there. Yeah. He's in, he, he, like he just goes out there to I, leave I feel up. like Stoney might be one of the few players in a row that would pass Ray Price's high standards when it comes to hating losing. Yeah, I, I, I reckon he's... Yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling to think now of uh, of anyone that might uh, fill that bill. You know, maybe to an extent, uh, Mitch Moses might might be might be that because he he had always been renowned for being angry when the you know the the team was losing. Yeah, there's a bit of so, there's a bit of fire in Mitch's belly when it comes to getting beaten. I think so. Yeah, they're they're the two that stand out for me in the squad. Yeah, yeah. All right, you mentioned it. Last game, well, it's the first game of the round chronologically, but the last game on the preview, the game was probably the most at stake when it comes to both fans and the teams involved. Parramatta Eels travelling up to Brisbane to the Sunshine State to take on the Broncos. This one's 7.50pm tomorrow night on Thursday the 25th at Suncorp Stadium. And it's interesting the trajectories of these two teams. Parramatta, obviously, they've been far from consistent. uh, But when these last two teams met, it was probably, you could argue, not the root cause of the rot. That probably go back to the Canterbury game. uh, But it was... You know, close to the the initial symptoms of the you know struggles that we would have, but since then they've sort of gone up and down, up and down. But the Broncos have been one way down. Sixties, they're struggling. I think they had a win against Newcastle, and it wasn't pretty. And outside of that, it's just been L's everywhere, including last week's absolute annihilation. I think I caught it a vivisection. They were actually just dissected live on TV by the Melbourne Storm. It was brutal. Uh, but they're named yeah. like this with Tamari Martin at fullback, Corey Oates and Selwyn Cobbo. They're on the wings, but there is now, I think, mail coming out that Selwyn Cobbo has been uh, ostensibly rested, not dropped, rested. 
Um, so he's out, and I believe that off the extended roster, we see Jordan Pereira coming in to replace him. Uh, yes, that's uh, that seems to have been confirmed. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Walters has come out and actually confirmed that, which means slightly changed back line, but in the centres, it's Katoni Staggs and Branko Lee. Haas pairing Ezra Mam and Adam Reynolds. In the front row, Thomas Flegler, Jake Turpin and Payne Haas. In back row, Kurt Capewell, Jordan Rickey and Ryan James. I thought Kurt Capewell had a uh, cloud of injury over him as well, so I'm not sure if he's another one that might have been. I think he got through their captain's run and okay. is cleared to play. And then onto the bench, uh, Billy Walters, Kobe Heverington, Corey Jensen and Reese Kennedy. And I believe that Zach Hosking is also coming in for one of the bench players. There's been a, a whole surge of rumours around the Brisbane Broncos coming into this game. But speaking of the extended roster, Deloise Hoyter, Jordan Pereira, who's already in the team, Tyson Gamble, Kenan Palacia, and Zach Hosking, with ex- expectation that Hosking could be on the bench somewhere for maybe Reese Kennedy. Um, I think the the latest, wasn't it, that Palacia was in rather than Hosking? Oh, was it? Okay. I'm struggling to keep track of all this stuff. Hang on, someone's... Uh, yeah, so uh, on paper, despite their struggles, still a formidable team, very close to the team that you know put the cleaners for us back at Combank Stadium a few weeks ago, uh, which leads us to the Parramatta team taking them on. Uh, just a couple of changes from the team that easily and comfortably accounted for the Canterbury Bulldogs last week. Fullback and captain Quinton Gufferson on the wings, Mike Acevo and Wonga Blake. Will Penasini and Tom Opacic round out an unchanged backline. Likewise, halves, same as always, number six, Dylan Brown, number seven, Mitchell Moses. They were tremendous, working both independently and together last week. In the front row, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Barlow and Reed Marnie. Sean Lane, Azai Papali'i and Ryan Madison round out the back row. Probably worth you know sort of keeping an eye on whether Ryan Madison starts. We did see that uh, last-minute switcheroo between he and Murata Niakore against the Dogs, which worked to great effect. Speaking of Murata, he's the last man on the bench where he's joined by Hesse Makatoa, Jake Arthur and Oregon Kafusi, so Ophi Ogden and Bryce Cartwright, they drop out of the team that won last week with Makatoa and Arthur coming in. The Makatoa replacement for Ogden is just a like-for-like, like, and Maka had an absolutely cracking game against South Sydney last week. Uh, two weeks ago, backed up by a pretty reasonable game against the Bulldogs, so that's not a surprise. I know the one that will raise a lot of eyebrows, 60s, is Jake coming into this team. We'll talk about that shortly. Extended roster, Ophi Ogden, Bowie Simonson, Bryce Cartwright, Sean Russell, Kai Rodwell, Match official, we spoke to his old man on the weekend, but it's Grant Atkins uh, on the sidelines. We've got Casey Badger and apparently no one else. Uh, senior review official is Adam G. So we've got one touch judge according to the NRL.com listings, <laughs> and, and, uh, which I imagine there is a second touch judge, even if the NRL do like to make the odd mistake. They're going to give us you know, all the proper officials. But yeah, this one kicking off tomorrow night, 7.50 p.m. It's 5v8. The Broncos have the... Canberra Raiders breathing down their necks when it comes to that race for the last spot in the top eight. The Eels are playing to keep their top four dreams alive. They're going to be looking to win and then win out next week with the Roosters also having to chime in this week against Melbourne Storm for that to happen. Yeah, and and really we don't want to drop a game and then come into the last round where there's maybe for and against pressure against you yes. know that we face with a, a Canberra Raiders with the, the chance of getting a couple of big wins behind them. So, uh, like, there is still a permutation where we could miss the top eight, uh, depending on results this this coming weekend. So, um, and, and that's based on, on for and against. But, um, yeah, it's, look, it's, it's a game where 
I'm still I'm wary. I'm still wary, mate. After that last up performance that we had against the Broncos at home, where we basically didn't turn up, and oh, it was symptomatic of of all the bad losses we've had this year against the Bulldogs, against the Rabbitohs, just get rolled through the middle, and then there just wasn't enough the rest of the team to you know pull them out of that hole. And oh, look, I, I'm 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 still having nightmares about uh, Adam Reynolds. Like being allowed to do what he wanted, no, no, oh, no. Yeah. all the time in the world, no one challenging his kicks, letting him run. You know, he's not a strong runner of the ball, but when he can run, he'll tear you apart. So, yeah. uh, look, it undoubtedly it was one of those games where the bounce of the ball went their way off, you know, ricochets um, off the ground. It, it, it just seemed to be yes. that. If we if we stuck out an arm or a leg to well to that knock that first that, try yeah. where it deflected insanely uh, for the kick ahead and then Guffo got his you know ankles broken by an awkward bounce you know you sort of compound that into that sort of when we were making that surge in the second half we mentioned yesterday with Spiro with the confusion around what is and what isn't an obstruction where uh, Maka Hesse Makatoa gets done for running on the inside shoulder of Adam Reynolds so. Yeah, as bad as we played, it was a game where the Broncos also had a lot of luck. Uh, so the question is, you know, given even luck or even slight, you know, luck in the favour of the Broncos, are we going to turn up and you know make our own fate? Yeah, look, um, first of all, with regard to Makahesi and uh, Ofahiki Ogden, I believe that Makahesi was put back to get increased game time coming into the final series. So. Well, he responded with an absolutely dominant showing against the Rabbitohs. I think he went for 250 metres, a few tackle breaks, some offloads, a whole swathe of tackles as well. So he had an absolutely, you know, cracking game in that one. And like I said, he backed it up last week, I think, 120 metres against the Dogs. So it was good to see him playing for a bit more fire. Because I, I suppose that was my criticism of him this year, is that he hadn't been bad, just been a little bit passive compared to what we saw from him last year. And it looks like... I might- think basically we're... It almost seemed like he was, I don't know whether he was under instruction just to tuck the ball under the arm and hit it up, but it seemed like a really, really straightforward role where um, there wasn't as much impact that we were seeing from, uh, had seen from him in glimpses before. But that performance against uh, South in the first week that he was back, he was, he was, Carrying the ball into the into contact um, with two hands, like he was, there was always the threat that he was going to link up with another mm-hmm. forward, offload in the tackle. Uh, he made something like seven passes anyway, seven passes and an offload. That's on top of the two hundred and forty odd meters. So that will give you a, a an idea of his involvement in the Eels' attack to have such huge numbers there. Um, I, you mentioned that you know he. His his defence work was just as strong in that he he just looked like a threat every time he carried the ball in that particular game and had another solid game against the uh, Bulldogs. Not as um, not as maybe he's not as dominant as he was against the Rabbitohs, but obviously shown enough for Brad Arthur to recall him to first grade. And as I said, he he just wanted the minutes under his belt there for a start. Um, and then uh, we we also have the the coming in for Bryce Cartwright, and uh, you were given a little reminder that uh, Bryce Cartwright might have other reasons for 
not being up in Brisbane this yeah, week. Yeah, caught, caught that one in the news today. Um, Bryce obviously had a less than you know, clean split of his former partner, and uh, she's taken out an apprehended violence order against him where he hasn't actually been criminally charged of anything, so there's been no admission of guilt. But you know, just given the nature of their split, the courts have approved it, which means he is uh, obligated to turn up to court to uh, be served with the AVO. So it's one of those ones where he hasn't been found guilty of anything, but the timing of it is incredibly messy when it comes to the Eels going to Brisbane. So he can't be in court in Sydney and at Brisbane on the same day. Yeah, so he's he's going to court tomorrow with that. So that would obviously preclude him being able to uh, travel up to Queensland. That was only something that um, you were made aware of most recently yeah, with that. it was literally uh, this morning. Yeah, yeah. So um, now... Whether that's the entire reason for um, that that change around, um, we don't know. But it is something maybe to keep in mind there that uh, the Eels had to uh, had to make that um, arrangement uh, around the player availability there. Also, I mean, it's one of those ones where sure, it's too much of a coincidence to be just you know disregard. So yeah, you know Bryce having to deal with that because that's you know how the courts work which means Jake comes into the team. And it's not a bad you know, thing to consider because Mitch is still coming back from that finger. And he got through the Dogs game, but he didn't get through it unscathed. He was struggling with calf cramps. You know, He had three pins in that finger. So if the Eels can minimise his time on the field tomorrow, where they get out to a good lead and you know, can sort of ice him early, throwing Jake into the action is far from the worst thing they could do. Oh, look, and also with, with being away from... Um from home and traveling up there the day before. Oh, look, I just think it's it makes sense to have some coverage there if you've got a, a player that's just come back from injury. And, and given that and, we know that this team, you know, will consistently play 16 players for the most part, you know, Brad Arthur's shown that he has a forward pack rotation that he likes with those 16 players. Jake gives the ability to spell Reed if you need to, cover Mitchell Dillon in the halves, or facilitate a change in the back line where you know, someone else can push out to the centres like Dylan and he can go into the half. So it gives you a bit of coverage across the back line into dummy half. And it's a good emergency option if, you know, your most important player does go down or needs to be pulled early. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, there's still some people out there who, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know what their motivation is um, for, you know, suggesting other reasons that uh, Jake would be selected yeah. in first grade. But do you know what? That you know, opinions like that don't really matter. It's a, it's it's the the players and the coach that have to be happy with the decision. And um, anyway, and we'll we'll see um, how how it pans out tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this one kicking off seven fifty p.m. sixties. Like I said, there's a lot in line for both teams in regards to you know staying in touch with the eight or staying in the eight. Sorry for the Broncos or potentially keeping a top four push alive for the Eels. How do we see the Eels backing up? Because they haven't lost two games in a row all year. They kept that true last week of a huge win over the Canterbury Bulldogs where they could have easily have scored 60 points, honestly. You know, they were just all over the blue and white last week. But they haven't always backed up those good performances with another good performance. Can they break that particular uh, sort of streak they got going and, you know, come up to Brisbane, a place where they've played traditionally some pretty good football? Honestly, there's a big paramedic contingent of fans up there. They're very vocal. You know, it's almost like they're playing home away from home as far as venues in Australia are concerned. Can they harness that? Can they harness the momentum from the game against Canterbury and go out there and get a good win? Well, I think the one caveat that I've got is that there's been 
a real difference this year with Parramatta between the should and the will. Mm-hmm. The um, the should happen is that Parramatta goes up there and defeats the Broncos in a performance which gives us an indication of a team that is prepared to play finals football. That's the should. The will could be um, any scenario that we've seen this season where the players, for whatever reason, their headspace hasn't quite been right and we get a substandard performance. So will they? I don't know. I, I, like, I honestly don't know. Um, based on last week, you'd like to think that their their heads are going to be in the game. Um, I, I've, as I said earlier, I've got that nagging reminder of the last time that they played the Broncos, um, and then I'm trying to balance that against what we've seen from the Broncos in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm I'll go. You know what? I'll go with my heart a little bit here. <laughs> ne- never has never quite, you know, never got you in trouble before ever when it comes to the Parramatta Eels. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. In this instance, my head is telling me that um, we're out of routine. Oh, oh! When you say that, that scares me. That scares me. I suppose the only thing, because that was an interesting point we've discussed about, you know, how the Eels tend to bring their best performances on routine. And I, the only thing I can maybe say is that short weeks have also been okay for the Parramatta Eels. Short week against the Penrith Panthers, the first time we played them, came out and played an absolutely sensational game of football, 1-17. to I think there was another short week uh, against another reasonable team. Maybe it was the Roosters the second time around. Uh, so that that's what I'm clinging to is that maybe the short week means that they have to you know maintain a razor sharp focus. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's that's where my my concern is with the with the head thing and thinking about that the last up performance, thinking about Adam Reynolds' performances for against Parramatta for South over the years, just his absolute confidence when he takes on the Eels. You know, and it's unfair whether, whether take, that translates to the rest of his team, mates. It's unfair. You take Reynolds out of Souths, and Souths is still dominant against Parramatta, and he's still good against Parramatta. That's not how that equation's meant to work. Yeah, well, it's unfortunately it's it turned out that way this year. Now, hoodoo's are meant to be broken, whether it be against a team or against a particular player. So my heart is saying to me that uh, we are now in finals mindset territory that the Eels know that there is only 160 minutes of regular season football. They will concentrate. They'll be focused. Uh, I believe they're going up there today. So they're, they're, it's, it's not match day travel. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that was a little bit of my concern about the, uh, about routines there, but um Look, I'm I'm thinking that Dylan Brown just had one of those games last week that tells me he's really switched on. Uh, the, the, that he was able to put a couple of mistakes, uh, critical mistakes, actually early in the game behind him to to put in the type of performance that he did. Just that the way that he and Mitch Moses yeah, the synchronicity between the two halves. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, uh, the forwards came out and played with a lot more aggression than they did. The previous week, the previous week, they they phoned it in. 
let's be honest, like oh, the, the game gets, yeah, and yeah, that's so, why I think Murata might end up starting again because yeah. he really brought the aggression in that game alongside Reg, allowed Ryan Madison to come on and just play that role he's been so good for a long stretch of the season where he plays the bulk share of the minutes at lock forward, but he comes off on from the bench and is able to you know let the other players soften up the team and then he can really get the work. Yeah, look, last week, last week was still far from perfect. We, we probably left, at, you know, somewhere between eight and eighteen and twenty-four points Comfort out rate. on the field. Yeah, easy, yep. You know, the completion rate was was something like about sixty-eight percent, something like that, which just is not in the territory that you would want for having a convincing win. Uh, it was indicative of the type of uh, mistakes that we were making in maybe trying to score off every play rather than to build up for it. However, I think the fact that we had that mindset that, you know, we were going to, we, we intended to go for the throat against the, against the Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. We had an attacking mindset. Now um, we can be critical of the fact that we didn't ice those opportunities or, uh, and, and that there may have been some occasions where we, lost a little bit of focus and 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 just dropped ball that we should not have, have dropped but the focus was definitely there in defense apart from that mistake from Wonga Blake early that allowed the um, the dogs to get around us on the on the wing after that the the scramble defense the slide um, the the line speed it was all good it was all good, and and you know you can be you we can put down the Bulldogs as an opponent. They didn't have their best performance, but it was what we wanted to see in many respects from the Eels. And, and out of all the teams that were in the blowouts on the weekend, the Dogs got the biggest chance to actually make a difference to the scoreboard in terms of possession and territory in the second half. So you know it wasn't like there were some people there were some people prepared to tip the Bulldogs against us based on their. Um, their previous win, um, mm-hmm. although I think you know some of the the serious tipsters just said, "Look, you know, Parramatta will not let this get away from them. There's, you know, that that won't happen this time." And maybe that's the attitude that should be looked at this week. That that Parramatta will be focused. They'll get the job done. Um, I'm going to tip. A score in the vicinity of uh, Eels twenty six to twelve to uh, to make it a a thirteen plus victory. There, I'm going to tip. Uh, I don't know about first try scorer, but I'm tipping Sean Lane to be a try scorer in the in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, if he doesn't score first, I'll go for Dylan Brown to be first try scorer in the match. The two Ken Fournette medal favourites, according to the tip sheet. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And uh, best on field, I'll go with Dylan Brown again. Mm-hmm. So maybe a, uh, the big Dylan Brown treble there, get him for you know any time first try scorer and man of the match. Uh, for me, I was actually thinking 26 points as well for the Parramatta Eels. It just seems like a, a really solid number in regards to what we'd want to see out of them up in Brisbane. Um, I want them to continue the defensive dominance they built against the Canterbury Bulldogs. So I want it 26-6 or 26-8. I'll, I'll accept a penalty goal and a converted try. Um, that would be, for me, a very strong showing backing up from the win against the Bulldogs. 
first try scorer. It feels a little bit like it's up in the air right now because, you know, usually it's to the left, but right now uh, we, ha- we had a, a lot of attack down the right with the return of Mitchell Moses. Could always go for a forward too. I know you went for Laney. Um, you know what? If I'm going to go for the wild card from the bench, although I think he'll start. He did it a few years back, or maybe it was last year. Uh, it was in one of the COVID seasons, but uh, Murata Niakore scored from lock forward against the Bulldog, uh, Bulldogs, against the Broncos, uh, the early starts of one of the COVID seasons. So I'm going to tip him to do the same in this game. So he's listed on the bench. He might be able to get some juicy odds on that one, actually. Uh, and then for me, best on field. It is really hard to go past either of the halves here. But again, you know, as, as I said against the, the Bulldogs, where you know, it might end up being a Mitchell Moses who was the best in the field, we need the middles to stand up. So I'm going to go back to the well on this one. And I'm going to look for Junior. Junior, I think he was – he didn't have a bad game by any means. I think he was the quietest of the middles between uh, himself, Reg, Maddo, uh, Murata, uh, you know, being the four primary middles there. And I think he was the quietest last week. I think, you know, he was bad against the Brisbane Broncos last time around. He fell off a tackle against Payne Haas. Uh, sorry, Payne Haas. Yeah, he, he was an initial offer from Payne Haas that set up the uh, one of the tries. So – yeah, I'm expecting him to be fired up for this one. So I'm looking for Junior to lead the way. Yeah. Well, mate, um, all all signals point towards an Eels win, which sets up uh, an enjoyable, we'll, we'll almost call it a long weekend, because although it's not a, a Friday public holiday, when we're playing on a Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've got... Um, three days of football to come after the Eels play. So they we need them to win because they'll, they'll, they'll set up our mood for the rest of the, <laughs> for the next three days. Yeah. Well, and the next week, but definitely the next three days. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, it's, it's a really like jam-packed content on TCT right now. Please, please, please have a listen to our chats with the former Eels players at the reunion, if you're going to listen to one uh, podcast this year, that's the one that I'm I'm suggesting that you definitely listen to. Listen to what these former players say about playing for the fans, about how important it was to how Parramatta aspirational they were, mm-hmm. and what it meant to be part of the club. It, it's it's a real insight into what. You know, what made the team, the club tick, uh, especially during the era where we were winning premierships. So well, I highly recommend it. The, these blokes were great to share uh, a chat with. We were absolutely privileged that Bill Richards from the, the Blue and Gold Alliance allowed us to be there. Um, mate, you know, it was it was, it was a real highlight of the year for And, me. you know, obviously we were incredibly hyped up to talk to some of the greatest eels of all time in Eric Grove Senior and Ray Price. You know, they're, they're t- if you have a bucket list of Paramount Reels you want to sit down and, you know, have a chat with, have a beer with, they'd be right up the top. You know, they're, they're as good as it gets. But I'll tell you what, that conversation we have with Graham Atkins was one of the most humbling and not, not cathartic, but just, like, made you really sit back and go, oh, yeah, you know, sort of experiences we have. When he came out and told us, you know, no, no bullshit, no BS, you know, that the most significant part of his career was getting that first Parramatta Eels jersey at the end of his first season, 81. You know, from a guy that literally scored, you know, a, a big try in the biggest game you're going to get in a grand final. It was like, wow. You know, the it, like you said, Parramatta aspirational. 
Yeah, yeah, and um, I think he's uh, when we when we left uh, from the uh, reunion and um, we we caught him just on our our way out, and he, he said, "Look, any time that you'd like to catch up, that he, he's very happy to speak to us again. Uh, he, he may well be someone that we'd um, like to catch up with for a, 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 an extended chat on TCT. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, um, thank you for uh, listening to us today." We're going to get the win, aren't we, mate? Yeah, we're, we're going get to the get the win, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Get that uh, post-match is the reaction podcast up with the Eels, hopefully pushing themselves into a spot to compete with the Melbourne Storm for a top-four finish. Go, you Eels.